Well, welcome to the old Downtown Harbor Church, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator here. Here at the Downtown Harbor Church, we have a weekly meeting where we debate what is worse, the coffee or the announcements. This week it was the coffee for sure. But anyway, John's the guy who does both of those. That's why we debate them. Anyway, we are kind of smack. Well, before we start, and I tell you about the series we're in here, uh, series, talk, conversation, whatever you want to like have it, I just want to stop and say happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the room. Let's do that, all right? Yes. Now, um, so uh, Caitlin and I aren't parents uh, yet. We don't know if that's going to happen in our life, but we are a parent to a human in a dog suit. So Dottie, so if you are not a mom in the room to a human being and you're a parent to a dog or cat or turtle or fish, happy Mother's Day to you as well. That's an exciting thing. So I got to tell you, um, in my life, there are very few things that I have done, but yesterday was the first time I got to experience this thing for the very first time. So yesterday I got invited to a baby shower, okay? So friends of ours um, are having twins, and so it was this uh, thing where I got invited, and Caitlin had told me, that's my wife, Caitlin, she's downstairs with preschoolers, Caitlin told me, hey, our friend really wants you to come, and I was like, listen... I'm going to be the only dude there. You know this. Like, guys don't show up to these things. And she's like, no, there's other guys coming. And sure enough, I got, we got there right on time. And for about 20 minutes, I'm looking around. I'm going, I was a sucker. There's not going to be another guy here. And, and so have you ever been to it? And finally, a guy showed up, which was great. So I had like a, you know, a wingman for the afternoon. But have you ever been to a baby shower? Like, there's some things that go on there. And I'm not, so they come, I come in, and they give me this name tag. And everybody's getting name tags. And I say, um, and the girl says to me, she goes, now, for the rest of the shower, you're only allowed to call a person the name that's on their name tag. And I was like, okay. And she's like, and these are like maternal things. And I was like, all right. And so like the girl who gave me the name tag, like her name, her name tag said bib, right? And then like my wife got one and it said placenta. And like, I was like starting to get like, and then like I got mine and mine said 10 centimeters. And I was like, is this a personal attack? Like, what, what does this mean? Caitlin, what the heck does this mean? And she's like, oh, so that's, di-. I was like, oh, that's dilation. I was like, okay. I, but I mean, I was lost in the sauce, but I was excited for them. And I was excited that it happened around Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to every mother in the room. Now that we got that out of the way. So we are kind of smack dab in the middle of this four week conversation, talk, series, whatever you want to call it, called Lawless. And one of the things that we did last week was really important for the DNA of our church, because last week's message was a little bit different. At Downtown Harbor Church, we always try to bring it back to the practical, how you can hear something on Sunday and then put it into practice on Monday. But every six months or so, we kind of reset the vision of the church, and we hit the reset button, kind of cast it. And that's what we did last week. And our church was kind of founded on the book of Galatians, this idea that people and local churches of today have kind of been doing it wrong, right? They've been placing things, barriers back into the lives of people that don't even need to be there much like we talked about last week, the Galatians were doing to the people of the time, this early church. They were placing the old law back in, and I'm going to unpack that, what that looks like today, right? But here's what I want you to know about Galatians. The Galatians, this group of people, this early church, the Galatians were some of the earliest followers of Jesus, They heard about this guy who claimed to be the Messiah, and he claimed he was going to go and die and rise again, and he did. And then after he did that, he said something really simple. He said, then you go love other people, go love your neighbor as yourself. The Galatians were some of the earliest followers of Jesus. And this book that we're looking at for four weeks in this talk or conversation we're having consists of something. They consist of letters written by a guy named Paul to this early church. 
put the name Paul in your mind. I'm going to talk about him in a second. In fact, put two names in your mind for this message today, Paul and Peter, because they're the, really the two that only matter. You're going to see some other ones, but those are the guys we're going to talk about today. So Paul wrote letters to an early church, which was in the town, the city, wherever you want to call it, the country of Galatia. And here's where Galatia is, right? Like we found this map on Google that some second grader drew. Okay, so we put it up here. And Galatia is kind of this area here. Now, this is not a modern day map. So we looked it up, and the town of Galatia is actually in northern Turkey in the Middle East. So put that in your mind for a you know, modern context. The town of Galatia is actually in northern Turkey. And you know about all the conflict going on over in that region of the world, been going on for thousands of years. But Paul was writing these letters to the Galatians saying, hey, you're doing some stuff wrong. Gang, hit the reset button. What you're doing is not right, and here's what you're doing wrong. So Paul was kind of unpacking that, and last week we talked about it. But just to make sure that Paul was saying the right thing, he did something. He was like, I want to make sure that I'm delivering accurate information to these people. Am I actually saying what I'm supposed to say? So he did something. He actually traveled back to Jerusalem, where early church leaders were there, and Paul called a meeting with these early church leaders because he just wanted to check and make sure that he was doing everything correctly and the way that he should be doing it as he addressed this early church. In the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says this. If you have a scripture, you can open it, or any mobile device is cool, but it will always be on our screens, right? It says this. Hey, guys, I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement I want to make sure I'm doing things right. I want to make sure I'm doing things properly. For fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. Basically, should we be putting the law back in? I know what Jesus said, but what do you guys think? Should, they're doing this over here. Is this right? And then it says, and they supported me and did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised. We're going to talk about circumcision in a second. Put that in your mind too. Though he was a what? Gentile. Some of you are very new to church, especially here at Downtown Harbor Church. Some of you have been around churches for a long time, and you may not even know what this word means, this word Gentile. So I want to kind of unpack it for you today. The people who were the Gentiles were the people in the world who were considered to be not Jewish. They didn't grow up in the heritage. They didn't grow up in the faith. They were outside of that culture. They were Gentiles, okay? And Gentiles did not have to live under the same Jewish laws and regulations. Don't miss this. This is key. Don't miss this. They did not have to live under the same laws and Jewish regulations that the Jewish people did. So in Galatians 2, verses 4 and 5, Paul was telling, uh, telling these leaders what these Gentiles, it may have been a group of them, a cohort of them, we don't know how many there actually were, but he said this, they wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their what? Jewish regulations. Meaning, this is where you got to zone in because there's a lot of info today, don't miss this. Meaning, if you want to become a follower of Jesus, if you want to be a, become a follower of Jesus, this love movement, this movement rooted in love, then there are certain things that you have to do before you can do that. We're putting the old law back in. The problem was is that Jesus didn't say anything like that. In fact, he, said to, he came and said that he completed the law. The law was fulfilled in him. But I started to think about this. And every week I'm going to unpack a couple of these. What are these Jewish regulations? What are some of the things that like, because I went back and found some of them, what are some of the things that maybe they were going to put back in to this new Jesus movement that people had to do to be a part of it? Well, I love this one. This one's great. Leviticus 10.6, tearing your clothes, okay? You can't tear your clothes. If you do, you can't be a part of this new movement. 
the band would be stoned, okay? Like, they'd be stoned to death. They'd take the band out and kill them. Because if you've seen their jeans, they're all, like, ripped up. And, like, one of the guys came in a couple of weeks ago and had this huge, massive hole. I was like, man, like, holes are getting bigger in jeans these days. He's like, yeah, soon I'm going to have, like, the whole, like, leg cut off. They'd be done. Like, they would be, they would be stoned, okay? Totally. Now, look at this one, because I love this. This is so cool. This is important. Leviticus 11, 13 through 19. Love this. You got you to find out some of the laws that were back in the day. Eating... Or touching the carcass. I love the word carcass. I don't know why. Carcass is just a good word, isn't it? Eating or touching the carcass of an eagle, the vulture, the black vulture, the red kite, any kind of black kite. I didn't know they flew kites, but anyway, okay, any kind of raven, the horned owl, the screech owl, the gull, any kind of hawk, the little owl, the corman. Corman, I don't even know, go on, okay? Keep going. The great owl, how many owls are there? The white owl, the desert owl, the osprey, the stork, any kind of heron, the hopo, and the bat. Can't do that, okay? Putting some of that back in, just sprinkling that old law back in. And then, sure enough, Leviticus 19.27, trimming your beard. Birchbox man would be out of business, right? Like, that would be unfortunate, right? Art of shaving, history, they wouldn't be around anymore because this is what you got to do. But then there was one that they were really hung up on. There was one that was more important to them, one law that was more important to them than any other. And here's where the rubber meets the road with this group of people in Galatia, what they were telling people they had to do to become a part of the Jesus movement. Circumcision. Now, if you are younger in this room and you don't know what that means, go home and ask your mom on Mother's Day. I'm sure they'd love to have the conversation, okay? It's going to be a big deal, right? No, I'm just kidding. But circumcision was so important to the historical Jewish faith. And let me tell you why. The father of the Jewish faith, who people know as Abraham, when Abraham lived thousands of years ago, he made a covenant with God. And God said to him, do this to yourself and to your entire family and all your descendants. Therefore, I will know who your descendants are and who the Jewish people are. This was a big deal for the Jewish people, okay? So what the Galatians were saying was, hey, unless you have done this, unless you go do this, you cannot come in and be a part of this and what we're doing. And Paul said, no, 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 no. That's what we talked about last week. But in chapter two, something happens. So let me kind of unpack this for you, okay? Because there was about to be a showdown between two of the figureheads of the Christian faith. And I want to talk about who they are. The first one is Paul, okay? Paul is a guy, let me tell you who this guy is if you've never heard of him before. Some of you have, some of you haven't. Either way, that's fine. Paul is a guy who was a religious Pharisee of the time. He was a Jewish scholar of the law. He hated Christians, and he hated the Jesus movement. And then he even persecuted them, hunted them down, started to kill them. But then, one day, he was walking along a road, a road called the road to Damascus, where a bright light appeared, the scripture says, and a noise that was piercing to his ears. And he had an encounter with Jesus for the first time. And he said yes to him, and he pivoted his life and started to follow after Jesus. And not only did he turn from his ways, but he became one of the most famous Christians in history. In fact, he wrote over half of the New Testament in the ancient scripture. This guy was writing letters to churches. He had influence. He was a big deal. Paul, keep that name in your mind. Then there was another guy who was kind of a figurehead of the Christian faith. His name was Peter. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. 
Peter walked alongside Jesus. Paul did not. Peter walked alongside Jesus and saw him perform miracles and do things. In fact, there was, this is the guy who denied him three times when he was on trial and then a rooster crowed in the background. You may have heard that. Maybe you've heard it around Easter time when that story is told. And these two guys, two of the figureheads of the Christian faith, were about to have a showdown over what? Over, here we go. Over this issue. They were about to go at each other over circumcision and what that did to the future of Christianity should we put the ancient law back in. So I started to, you know, think about these two guys, and I'm like, wow, they're about to have a showdown in chapter two. This is going to be exciting. I wonder what they looked like. So I, you know, of course, Wikipedia'd them. Here's what they looked like. And, you know, I found it was interesting enough that these two guys who lived in the Middle East a couple thousand years ago looked like two white dudes with beards. But that's, you know, nevertheless, that Wikipedia, you find everything there, okay? But here's the problem with the showdown that was going to happen between these two people. Because Peter, Peter was actually a part of this movement that was telling people to be circumcised, to go into the part of the Jesus movement. Here's what happened. This is where the showdown came over, and this is where the problem came in. The problem was, is that Jesus came and said that his message was for who? All people. Not just people who've done this, not people who abide by this law. The message is for all people. Everybody. No ifs, ands, or buts, everybody, the entire world. So the showdown was about to happen. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, it says this, But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him. This is Paul talking again. I had to oppose him to his face, which Jesus talked about doing. He said, you got a problem with somebody. You go right to him, address it face to face. I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. Now, put this in your mind. Some of you are maybe thinking about, I've heard this name, Peter, before. Who is he? If you have any Catholic history kind of in your life, Peter is a big deal to Catholicism. Peter is the guy who's actually known as the very first pope. He's very important in the history of Christianity. He was a big influencer from not only biblical times, but it went on from there. He has a huge influence. So Paul and him about to have the showdown. And then it said, but when he first arrived, Peter, he ate with the Gentile believers, those people who weren't Jewish, who were not circumcised. They weren't circumcised either. But afterward, when some, but when some friends of James, Jesus' brother, came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He started out eating with them, people who were not like him. And then after some other Christians came around, he started not to do it because he was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of what? Circumcision. The old law being put back into the new movement rooted in love. And as a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas, another influencer, was led astray by their hypocrisy. Want to know why I believe Paul was so hot about this? You want to know why I believe he was so mad? I believe that Paul was upset because the law was being added back in. He said, guys, you're getting this wrong. This is about two things, faith and love. That's it. Don't put this stuff back in. You don't want to do this stuff. I don't know what's going to happen to the future of this movement, this Jesus movement, if we keep sprinkling this stuff back in. Because Peter, when he did what he did, when he said, I can no longer associate with the Gentiles because they haven't been circumcised, what Peter did what he did is Peter said, I cannot associate with those who aren't like me. And Paul was hot. 
And he had every right to be because he knew how much this could screw things up. So these two figureheads are about to have a confrontation much like this. And I'm telling you right now, like that is Brock Lesnar and Goldberg. And like I, I'm a wrestling fan. And I, these two squared off at WrestleMania this year in Orlando. And I was there. And those of you who are laughing in the room, I know you watch WWE and you don't tell anybody about it. I'm cool with that. Like I know. You watch it. You're tuning into Monday Night Raw. But listen, it was about to be a showdown. These, I mean, this was it because of this thing. This is why they're about to show down because this is what Paul said. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. Peter, stop. Look at what you're doing. You're missing it all. My heart rate's probably really high right now, so I apologize about that. Like, I got this Apple Watch earlier, and like after the first service, I like burned calories like a workout. I was fired up, right? But this is why. This is so true. The reason, don't miss this. The reason Paul was so upset was because Peter cut himself off, sorry for the play on words, from society, okay? The reason Paul was so upset was because Peter cut himself off from society. He said, I, he goes, hey, you're not like me. I'm not like you. <clears throat> Stiff arm. You ain't coming in. I'm not eating with you. I'm not going to do that anymore. He cut himself off from the very culture they were trying to reach. He cut himself off from the very people they were trying to reach. And let me tell you something. Here's the problem. Because if you've been around here for any length of time, you know that one of my favorite expressions to say from this stage is, there's always a problem. This is why this was the problem, because before Jesus ascended into heaven, after he proved that he was who he said that he was by rising from the grave, he said this. Jesus came and told his disciples, hey, gang, come on over. God's got some news. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of who? All the nations. All the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the what? The Holy Spirit. You know what he didn't say? Jesus didn't say just the people who looked like you. Didn't say just the people who looked like you, who might be of your culture or your heritage. He said, no, 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 all people, go out, do something about it. Jesus didn't say just the people, don't, this one's so good, who agree with you. Wouldn't it be great if Christians could just put down their protest sign for people who disagree with them and reach out to someone who they might not agree with in love? Wouldn't the world be a different place? See, because one of the things is we say around here a lot, and we're gonna hear, you're going to start to hear us say it more, is what we're for. Because we think a lot of times Christians are known for what they're against rather than what they're for. And so just let me tell you a couple of things. We're for our church. We're for you. I'm for you. Our staff is for you. But it's not just us because we believe this is not about this gathering time. It's about us going out and being a part of things in our city. We're for our communities. We're for our marriages. We're for things, people out there who might need help, who are hurting. We're for Fort Lauderdale. And here's one of the things that we've kind of said. Because we're going to disagree on things. Everyone in this room could probably disagree on something. I disagree on things with people, right? We all don't have to agree with each other to be for each other. That's the key, because so often people come into the local church, and they say, the local church says, hey, you can come in, but you got to agree with us. We don't say that here. Jesus also didn't say just the people who you were buddies with, because a lot of times we just kind of stick close to home and stick close to our friends. That's not what he said. Let me go back to what he said. You really want to see what he said? He said, all people. 
People you like, people you don't. People who've wronged you, people who are your friends, people who aren't, people who aren't. He said all people. And you want to know something? You want to know what's sad? I'll tell you what's sad. Broke my heart to the point that we went on a journey about 18 months ago, just a few of us whose hearts were broken to start downtown Harbor Church. You want to know what's sad? The local church of today is doing exactly what Peter did to the Gentiles again, just in a different way. They said, mm -mm. you can come in here, sure. You can sit there. You want to engage? Mm, check the box, check the box, check the box. Agree with us, agree with us, agree with us. And then we'll let you be a part of what we're doing. And I've seen so many people who are broken by the local church. I've sat across the table from so many people and I've said this phrase more than I've ever wanted to say it in my life. And I'm so thankful that I've never said it in the last 18 months here at Downtown Harbor Church. This is the phrase that I've said to so many people looking across the table. Please don't leave because the church has wronged you. Please. There is hope. It's broken, but we can fix it. Please don't leave because the church has wronged you. So just a few short months ago, we launched this thing. And the stories, if we could ever sit and just have you know, a cup of coffee, I could tell you about people who engage with us here and whose lives have been changed. It's unbelievable. It's awesome. But the local church actually broke my heart. That's why we did this. A friend of mine, um, who I know, she said something to me recently. Um, and she said this. She goes, can I tell you a story? I said, yeah. She goes, I have this friend who I really care about. Really care about him. I was like, yeah. I was like, you know, I'm kind of like prying. I was like, romantic? She goes, no. I was like, great, no worries. And I was like, um, tell me about him. And she goes, well, she's like, I've been trying to get him to come to church for years. And I was like, okay. And she goes, finally, he said yes. Finally, he said yes. And I brought him one Sunday. I wasn't here. But I brought him to a place. And I said, the entire time that I was in that service, I asked myself, why did I bring him to this? And the first thing that he said to her when he got in the car was, I will never, ever, ever go back. The local church of today is doing the same thing that Peter did, just in a different way. Stiff-arming people who are different. Not letting people in or be a part of what we're doing who aren't exactly like us. And so at Downtown Harbor Church, we hear this message consistently. We talk about things, and we always try to go back to, hey, what's the practical here at DHC? We are big on this. If you've been here for any length of time, you know we always say, we say things from this stage on Sunday that you can put into practice in your life on Monday. So here today is the practical. And it's a question. It's not a statement. It's just a question. Here it is. When is the last time you associated with someone who wasn't like you? Ooh. Might be a different religion. Might be a different race. I don't know what that is. Might be somebody who you are estranged from or have had an argument with. I don't know what that looks like for you. But when is the last time that you have, not, or you have associated with someone who wasn't like you? Don't miss this. This is the key. Look up here. Look up here. On purpose. Not to convert them to Christianity because that's always our goal. Oh, I'm going to go be friends with someone who isn't a part of the local church, so hopefully they'll believe. No. When is the last time you became friends with someone who wasn't like you just to be a friend? Just to be a friend. I'll never forget two of our dearest friends in our entire life, me and Caitlin. We met them at a wedding in Ohio. I was doing the wedding so they knew what I did and 
We actually kind of hit it off together. They found, they found out I love Disney, they love Disney, we all kind of were big Disney fans, and so we did, we kind of engaged right there, and they actually, um, we, we built a friendship, and never talked about church, never talked about Jesus, never even invited them to come to church. They ended up relocating to the state of Florida, which is so cool. It wasn't because of us, they had just ended up finding jobs down here, loved the climate, they're about an hour and a half, two hours north of us. They were just our friends, and you know what happened? One day... We were sitting on our couch. We've been over at my house. You know, it's this big red sectional couch. It's kind of cool. And they were sitting there, and they said, okay, we got to ask because you guys have never brought it up. I said, what do you got to ask? They're like, tell us about this Jesus and church thing because you guys seem to be extremely normal. And I said, well, let me unpack it for you. And I told them our story. And the next time they came down to shop at Sawgrass Mills Mall, because that's what people do who don't live in Fort Lauderdale. You come to Sawgrass Mills with suitcases, right, and just like load them up, fly back to the Bahamas. I don't, you know, that's what people do. They came to Sawgrass Mills to shop, and you know, before the mall opened, you know what they did? They came to church. They said, we don't know why, but we just feel like we should be here. Never did I even invite them. Never did we instigate the conversation, because we're different. We don't have a lot of things in common, to be honest, but we found one common thing and just became friends. Who in your life do you need to do that with? Who in your life do you need to become friends with with no agenda just to be a friend? Because I'll tell you this, each one of you is uniquely positioned to reach different people. This is what's so key about this. Each one of us in our life is uniquely positioned to reach someone different. Every single one of us has different connections and stories. People who are different than you. People who are different than me. It's time to stop saying that you have to be like us to join us. I heard that phrase one too many times and it broke my heart. Because the local church will put on their sign all across America, all are welcome. And you know what I say? Bogus. Because I've been a part of places where I wasn't even welcome. And I was on staff. Don't hide from the world. No one will see Jesus if you do. Don't hide from the world like Peter was about to do. No one will see Jesus if you do. Jesus said in his most famous message of all time, the Sermon on the Mount, he said this. He said, you are the salt of the earth. He's talking to his followers. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Do not put a bowl or a bucket over your light so the world can't see it. Go out there. Influence the world. Be a part of your community. Don't wall yourself off. No one will see me if you do. Don't close your doors. Open them wide. I heard a saying recently that really has just almost transformed me as a person and just kind of thinking. And I just want to share it with you as I close. It's this. When you open your heart to Jesus, you open your door to others. Not just others who are exactly like you, but people who are different. People who you don't agree with. People who you may not like. When you open your heart to Jesus, you open your door to others. Don't hide from the world. Don't lock that door. No one will see Jesus if you do. Let me pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Through all of our struggles and all of our trials and all of our missteps, you are God and King, and we say yes. And God, I'm just so thankful for this message. That the Christian movement, the Jesus movement, your movement, is rooted in the lives and hearts of us caring about other people, those who are different. And so the Galatians, God, we want to learn 
from what they did, placing that law back in so that everyone would be the same again. And therefore, we couldn't all be together. We want to learn from that and never do that here. Help us to do that together. Help us to follow after you as a group of people. And God, I know, I know in this room because I believe very spiritually that you placed people in these seats today for a very specific reason. I know there are names and faces on hearts. Or maybe if there's not one yet, there's going to be this week. And so I pray that you would walk us through that that you would step our hearts through that, that you would help us to make it through those conversations and walk through those decisions so that we may be a light in a broken world, whether they ever grace the door of a church or not. It doesn't matter because that's what you called us to do. Help us, lead us, guide us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.